down the road, you'd be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the ones you did. So dream, explore, say yes to life. Be inspired to live life as an exciting adventure of discovery. You are listening to the Inspire Possibility Show, and I'm your host, Mark Sussman. Hi, everybody. This is Mark Sussnell. You are listening to the Inspire Possibility show, the show that hopefully will inspire you to think differently, to think bigger, to think out of the box. And every week I invite people that I consider cutting-edge thought leaders, people that I think I can learn from, and if I can learn from them, you can too. And that's kind of the idea. And one thing I've always thought about, for, for a long time is, is, is what is empathy and, and how does that really differ from compassion? So when I came across the book, The Empathy Effect, I, I contacted the author, Dr. Helen Reese, who's a Harvard psychiatry professor, and invited her to be our guest today. And Helen, I'm, I'm honored to have you on my show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Mark. And um, so tell me about your book in terms of, of, of the – I know you're, you're talking about in, in, your, uh, in, the, in the subtitle you hear in your book, you have seven neuroscience-based keys for transforming the way we live, love, work, and connect across differences. So what is, what is in, your, in your mind, in your world, how do, how do you think of empathy? Well – you know, I'm a psychiatrist, and uh, I've been practicing for many years, and I've really um, embraced the idea that without empathy, there can be no cure. I mean, it's not the only thing that clinicians need, but it's certainly a vital ingredient. And in my work with patients, I've come to understand that empathy is sometimes in short supply, in medical practice the way it's practiced today. And um, some of the uh, sort of downsides of all the technology and all the distractions that physicians and nurses have today means that sometimes patients do not feel empathized with um, or the compassion that they seek in healthcare. And so, so do you, do you- that... It sounds it sounds like you're using, in that context, empathy and compassionate compassion interchangeably. Is that am I getting that right? No, no, not really. I mean, they're very closely connected. Empathy is a human capacity to perceive the emotions of others, and it's our ability to. Um, take other people's perspective, both in a cognitive kind of capacity and also to share feelings with them. And so it has both emotional and cognitive parts. And I understand empathy to be our ability first to perceive what's going on in other people 
and then to process that and um, that kind of empathic connection motivates a response. And that response that um, comes from a true human connection is what I understand as compassion. It's what comes out of us because we have perceived through empathy. So you can think of it kind of as an input, a processing, and then an output. Because when we say that a person has compassion, we are really referring to something we can observe, you know, whether it's a caring look, a a kind touch. But um, empathy is more internal and compassion, um, it's driven by internal uh, feelings, but it's what we see. So what about, you know, there there are several um, things that came up for me when I was thinking about this. What about intuition? Does that, is that close to empathy? Well, I, I'm not that sure about intuition. I think intuition can actually um, be something separate from how we interact with people. Like we can have an intuition about the future, about whether a a certain decision is a good idea. Um, and so I, I, I would imagine that intuition is a blend of um, cognitive and emotional processes similar to empathy. But I think of empathy as very person-centered. So much okay. more focused on connecting with others than just kind of having a gut feeling. Right. And and, and the other thing I, I thought about too with compassion is is do you do you distinguish sympathy from compassion? So empathy, sympathy and compassion are often used interchangeably and um okay. sympathy is the oldest of all the terms and it it was a word that sort of came into the lexicon by people recognizing that we share feelings with others. So that's like the simpatico or the idea that we, you know, when someone's sad, we feel sad for them. But the big distinction between sympathy and empathy is that sympathy is feeling bad for people, whereas empathy is feeling with. So um, uh-huh. empathy has become much more about resonating with other people's emotions, and then compassion is what comes, what flows out of us when we have that uh-huh. kind of resonance in other people's perspectives. And then, how does that differ for, or in, in connected with the Buddhist approach of? of you know, having compassion for others. Is that kind of what we're talking about? Well, I think that the Buddhist approach is that compassion is a state of being um, where there is really very little separation between, you know, one person and another, but the recognition that we are all extremely connected on a Mm -hmm. neurological and spiritual level. And I think the Buddhist um, understanding of compassion is a very deep-seated sense of loving kindness for all sentient beings. So what what I'm curious about too is that you're you're saying here that that um, that there's seven neuroscience-based keys, 
mm-hmm. for transforming the way we, we live, love, work, and connect across differences. So tell me more about that concept that's on the front cover of, of your book, The Empathy Effect. Sure. So, um, you know, I did a Neuroscience of Empathy Fellowship. Um, let's see about, let's see, um, almost 10 years, 10 to 12 years ago. And I was able to really immerse myself in the neuroscience literature to understand what happens in the brain that helps people not just feel and resonate with others, but really understand their perspectives. And as I learned about this, I realized that there were certain things that people do sometimes very unconsciously that makes them connect and that there are certain things that we can more intentionally do to make sure we connect. And these seven keys, um, as I kind of tried to categorize them and make them easy to understand, I realized that I could use the acronym empathy to um, kind of label all of the ways that we profoundly connect with other people. And the empathy acronym starts with eye contact because that is the very first indication. Yeah. So eye contact. And um, I I, I, I love, by the way, acronyms. (laughs) I love them. (laughs) I love them. So... um, so let's go ahead then, and, and so so the E is with eye contact? Yes, that's right? the very first indication that we've really met somebody um, uh-huh. and that we've recognized somebody. And uh-huh. in the Zulu language, the word for hello is I see you, which is pretty uh-huh. profound considering how we say, uh, hi, how are you? Right. But I like I like that seems a little sometimes superficial. Hi, how are you? As opposed to, I see you. Exactly. I feel more of a. I see you yeah. means like I see you as a person, and right. I I translate that I see you as a person worthy of my respect. Mhm. So eye contact. Okay, and then and then we have the M. The M um, stands for muscles of facial expression. And uh, since there's no F in empathy and facial expression recognition is so key to whether we understand another person's emotion, um, you know, and the basis for facial expressions is really muscular uh, change within the, the muscles that make up our face. And so the muscles of facial expression help us distinguish basic emotions such as Happiness, sadness, fear, surprise, anger, disgust, and contempt. And so, so, so the idea, so the the idea is that in your model, right, the the seven keys is that because I I I don't think that many people that you meet really notice, uh, or not everybody, let's put it this way, notices face. I I notice it because I'm you know trained in that way and I look for those things, but. Uh, not everybody notices people's facial expressions. 
Because a lot of times they're I thinking would, about what they want to say, you know. Well, I think that's true. And, Mark, I would also say that our whole culture has become very challenged in this area because most of the time when you look at people, they're looking at their phones, even when they're in right. conversation with other people. Right. I was walking down the street um, through a square the other day, and every single group of people I saw were looking down into their phones, whether they were two people, four people, or six people. And I, I was just astounded at how um, all of our necks be- are bent, like looking down instead of looking up and seeing each other. So it's, I think our culture is really challenged in this way right now. Right. And I know that in neuro-linguistic programming, there's a certain significance where if your eyes are looking up as opposed to looking down, are you, are, can, you, can you clarify what that is, that distinction? When our eyes are looking up, right? Sometimes we look up, we're thinking about something, thinking about how to respond. And, and I know mm-hmm. looking down means something else. Could you elaborate on that? Well, I'm not sure exactly what you have in mind, but I right. know that when we're looking down that we are not open um, to noticing other people or noticing all the invitations that surround us every day to um, think about new things or to accept challenges or accept opportunities. Like when we're, when we're looking down, we are very closed Whereas when we're looking up, I think it's like your pores are open for new experiences. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, or, or it's almost like one's looking to the future, one's thinking about the past, or thinking about possibility. That's, right. Thinking about that's possibilities. A good way to put what about it? the P? And then we get into P. Is that possibilities, possibly? Um, actually. Um, I, the the empathy acronym is mostly about kind of nonverbal ways that we express ourselves. So the P stands for uh-huh. posture and position. Okay. And we can tell a lot from someone's posture, whether they are engaged, whether they are happy, whether they are dejected, depressed, closed down. Right. Um, you know, just think of somebody all curled up in a ball um, or somebody sitting erect in a chair with their head up and smiling, you know, and then everything in between. So we we should take in, like, the whole image of what people are sharing with us and also notice where we are in position to others. When we're trying to connect, it's best to be you know, at eye level, not talking down or staring up to people, but, you know, really trying to find that that uh, shared space where we are in an equal footing with others. So so posture, positioning, and, and mm-hmm. I do want to ask you some questions about some of these concepts here. What about the, the A? The A stands the for model. affect. Affect is the scientific word for emotion. And affect pertains to um, noticing what we are best guess of what that other piece, person's emotions are. 
and naming that to ourselves. You know, so when I talk with you, I can tell that you're curious, you're open, you you have a sense of wonder. Um, well, thank you. And just by marking that, yeah, it it kind of shapes the dialogue. If you're talking with uh-huh. someone who's depressed or sad, if you name that, it will shape the kinds of questions you ask or the kinds of expectations right. you have for the encounter, right? So the A then is, is what is what's the other person experiencing emotionally to get a sense of that? Yes. Like it's our best guess at labeling their emotion uh-huh. to orient us. Yep. Okay. And then and then let's let's go ahead and, and the T. The T stands for tone of voice. And um many studies show that when people's tones of voice are close in volume, pace, rhythm, that they feel more connected to each other than when right. one person is talking softly, the other person is talking loudly, or, you know, you've got a, a complete difference in rhythm. And so, so the idea studies, here, yeah, if somebody's trying to establish rapport, right, with somebody which in a way helps us experience any empathy for them, is to mirror mirror their voice, right, their tone of voice. Yes. Right. Uh, Hang on a second, Helen. I just want to mention to our listeners out there, you are listening to the Inspire Possibility Show. Our guest today is Dr. Helen Reese. She's the author of The Empathy Effect, and right now we're talking about seven keys seven neuroscience-based keys that will help us connect with people and, and to experience them emotionally, which leads to really connecting with more people. And and, um, and the idea here is if we have this skill, we can share it with others. So we got the, the T for tone of voice, and, and then the H would be? Well, that is hearing the whole person. But before we go through all the keys, I would just like to say that these keys, although they were really developed in the intent for healthcare relationships, because that's, you know, the domain I work in, um, that they are pertinent for every single relationship that you find yourself in, whether it's uh, with a partner, a spouse, a, um, whether you're a parent and a child, uh, you know, a, a nanny and a family or distant relatives, any relationship, including employer and employee relationships, they all can thrive when people connect across these differences. And so the H for hearing the whole person really came out of my observation that in healthcare, a lot of times, there's a focus on the complaint that brought the patient into the office. But that can be different from the concern that the person has. And mm-hmm. so, too, in any kind of, like, um, work situation, you can hear a, a complaint, but you might not really hear the concern. And so by hearing the whole person, you're going beyond just, you know, what they're saying is the problem to trying to understand it from right. their perspective. 
And that can really broaden a conversation and kind of move the dial from hearing somebody as just having a complaint to really being interested in in their perspective, maybe what's going on in their life, but also their complaint may shed some light on what's going on in an organization. So um, it's important to move from hearing people's uh, feedback as just complaining to, like, what does this say about, you know, our whole workplace? What does this say about our family life? You know, if a child says, I feel like no one's, you know, spending enough time with me, um, that could be heard as a complaint, but it could really be heard as a very important concern. So so I'm getting that right. You're saying that this applies to everything, to our whole way of connecting with others, of expanding our emotional intelligence so that we have better relationships with our family, with, with our workers, with, with everybody. So we have more humanity. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, we also have to have more humanity with ourselves because I'm not really um, advocating that we have a bottomless well for connecting and attending to others. We, we do that best when we also meet our own needs. And that's why the last chapter of my book is called Self-Empathy because we also uh-huh. have to, like, look in the mirror some days and say, what do I need? What what do right. I need to thrive? What do I need right. to set limits on my capacity to be there for everybody? How do I prioritize my own rest, health, exercise, mindfulness, um, so that I really can be the person that I want to be? So, <clears throat> so part of that is, is boundaries, right? Exactly. Like no one is, um, I mean, rare exceptions, but no one is a saint where they can just give, 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 and never uh, have to replenish, you know, the the well from which all this giving and attending and listening comes from. And, and could you kind of get into the why? The Y is probably the most important letter, um, I think, after the E. And um, I like that they're bookmarked at the beginning and the end of the acronym. The Y is stands for your response, which is really your feeling, your internal response to being with another person. It's the best indicator of how that person is feeling about you. Because of mirror neurons, mirror mechanisms, and shared neural circuits, we're far more connected neurologically and physiologically with other people than we ever realize. So when you're with another person and you want to have a sense for how it's going, probably the best barometer is how you feel it's going for you. If if you're feeling that the interaction is good and calm and fruitful, that's probably how that other person is finding you. But a lot of times we will find that something's not going that well and we might try to explain it that that person was irritating or 
annoying or had a bad habit or a point of view we didn't like. And before we put the whole uh, disconnect that we feel on the other person, we through an empathic inquiry, we should also ask, how did I come across to that person? Could I have been right. not listening or not getting their feeling? Did I not respect, you know, what they were expressing? Did I not fully pay attention? Was I not, not a good listener? Because most feelings are mutual. And I hear a lot of people say, oh, I don't really want to be with that person. They're so annoying. And before we just, you know, cast judgment and dismiss other people, especially when we have to be in a relationship with these people, you know, people at work, people, right. you know, that were in in all kinds of social relationships, we can't just knock off everyone who we find a little annoying until we try to examine ourselves and say, could there be something about me that's striking that person as annoying? No, am I a little and I, too closed? Yep. And, and I think that that what I was getting from from your book is is that the whole idea is how we can really connect with people that have different ideas, and I think that's the key to everything. Is we can you know we we can connect to our tribe real easy. Oh yeah, wow! I think the same way. As, whereas where what's the challenge is to connect with people that don't have the same ideas we do regarding politics and religion and and uh many other issues there there was a a, a a a guess I had on my show they had a thing where they had these dinners where you sat you invited people and this is this uh, there are these groups all over the country now where you invite people to of diverse ideas and have like a dialogue and their rules, their rules for it, and, and um, in terms of, of the procedure, what the rules are in terms of connecting with people. And I think I think one of the basic things is to really listen to the other person and to and to really get where they're coming from and to kind of put your own ideas to kind of suspend your own thinking and say, okay, this is what's really going on with this person. It's a, and I think it's what you said in the, in the H about, you know, hearing the whole person, what's what's really going on with them in terms of, of you know, thinking the way they do and to respect them. And um, it's, it's a great thing, and I think that's really what's important about your work is that it gives us tools to to really – to notice other people, to get them by by paying attention to to their you know making eye contact with them, notice their facial expressions and and um, what are they feeling? What about their tone? Is their tone of uh, one of confidence? Is is there one of of insecurity? And and so all these things are are really great. So what what is 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 the big picture here? What so people. Do you do you teach this course at in, in, in Harvard? Um, I have taught uh, many courses at Harvard Medical School, and I'm proud to say that my um, empathy training, which was uh, 
the only training tested in a randomized controlled trial, which is the gold standard of research. It was tested at Mass General Hospital, which is a big hospital in Boston. And we showed that we could significantly improve patients' ratings of their doctors on empathy scales. So we were really able to show that empathy can be taught. I want to go back, if I could, to a statement you made just a couple of minutes ago about how important it is to have empathy at these times when our whole nation is extremely divided and polarized and, you know, really falling into camps that don't seem to be able to talk to one another. Right. And I think we run the risk of, you know, projecting that we already know what the other side thinks and feels and there's no point having a conversation and just better surround yourself with everyone who thinks just the way you do. And I think that what's driving a lot of people's beliefs is fear. And, you know, it's very hard to talk people out of things that they're afraid of. But by having conversations where the aim isn't to change other people's minds, but the aim is just to hear people out, it's the only way we're going to have a better sense of what is driving other people to believe what they believe. And I believe just what you said, it's through relationships that our thinking can slightly get changed or expanded. It's not through people you know, standing up on TV screens telling us what to think. But it's by interacting every day with people who have beliefs that are embedded in their own personal narrative and why their political beliefs fit that. Um, I think we can find a lot more shared and common ground when we listen and have dialogue than when we judge and when we are too smug in our certainty. Well, and Helen, I hope I, that my... Yeah, I just want to thank you. We're running out of time for yeah. your uh, taking the time to be our guests here in the Inspire Possibility Show. I have a better understanding now of, of what I really like are, are these neuroscience keys that you, you've offered and, and encourage people out there to, to get your book, which I'm sure is at most bookstores and on Amazon. So thanks again to Dr. Helen Reese, the author of It's been my the pleasure. Effect. Yes, I hope Thank your you. readers will um, explore all the different domains that it's about. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And to to all our listeners, in the meantime, until next week, journey on. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel inspired to take the next step in your life. And if you haven't already, please take the time to visit my website at inspirepossibility.com and discover the various services and products we offer that could just very well change your life. <music>